Support is provided in part by Conway Shield. Those who answer the call and risk it all for the safety and well-being of others deserve someone willing to give their all in return. Conway Shield is built on the shoulders of three service legacies. Customizing the nation's very best firefighting shields has expanded to providing the most effective technology, tools, and training for today's fire and law leaders. Learn more at ConwayShield.com. Welcome to the Leadership Under Fire, Humanizing the Narrative podcast. In this episode, you'll hear the recording of a presentation that was delivered at a 2018 Leadership Under Fire National Conference in Evanston, Illinois. The team was humbled by the caliber of leaders who contributed to the event and the types of leaders who rigorously contemplated the moral, mental, and physical aspects of mission-oriented leadership and optimal human performance. To include our guest in this episode, retired Chicago Fire Commissioner Bob Hoff. A third-generation firefighter, Bob Hoff started his career as a cadet with the Evergreen Illinois Fire Department in 1972. In 1976, he was hired as an EMT with the Chicago Fire Department. And in 1977, he entered the Chicago Fire Academy as a firefighter EMT. Hoff served in some of Chicago's busiest fire companies throughout his career. He worked in the Bureau of Fire Operations as a firefighter EMT, lieutenant, captain, and battalion chief. He also served as the director of training for the Chicago FD and the first district chief in Chicago's downtown high-rise district. He later served as the Assistant Deputy Commissioner of Operations, First Deputy Fire Commissioner, and Fire Commissioner. He retired from the CFD in 2012 after nearly 36 years of service. Chief Hoff then went on to serve as the Deputy Chief and Chief of the Carroll Stream, Illinois Fire District until his retirement on January 1, 2020. Hoff's brother Raymond was a 32-year veteran of the Chicago FD. His grandfather, Joseph Hoff, retired as a captain in 1936, and his father, Thomas Hoff, was a battalion chief who was killed while fighting a blaze in a South Side apartment building in 1962. His son, Andy Hoff, is an active member with the Downers Grove, Illinois Fire Department. Uncles, cousins, nephews, and brothers-in-laws are all current and retired members of the fire service. Notably, his family's service and sacrifice inspired the movie Backdraft. The Leadership Under Fire team is excited to announce that we'll be hosting a National Leadership and Performance Summit in Annapolis, Maryland on Friday, April 21st, 2023. More details to come. Now, on with the episode. Thank you. First of all, I got to apologize. I'm kind of one-dimensional for the police people and the uh, corporate people in here. I'm, uh, I'm a firefighter. Uh, still learning how to be one. So bear with me as I talk. I'm, I'm going to do a little, I don't like talking about myself, but I'm, I want you to know where I came from and what makes me tick. I think it's important um, because on this stage right now, this should be shoulder to shoulder people because I had a lot of mentors. Wherever you get in life, wherever you get in your career, you didn't do it on your own. There's a lot of people out there, especially bosses that I've worked for, that I, uh, and not a lot, just a few that were born on third base thinking they hit a triple. It uh, doesn't happen that way. You, you, you get help when you come up through the ranks. 
And uh, I worked for a lot of firefighters that taught me the job when I was a lieutenant and captain. They were seasoned members. They were, when, when I came on the job, a lot of the people in the, in the fire service were military. A lot of the problems we have in, whether it's in corporate America, in sports, or in police, or fire, it's people. I'm going to concentrate on people, talking about your people, the people that work for you. Because if you're the leader, if you're the top gun, if you're the person that's second in charge, wherever you're at, you're only as strong as your people. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. And bear with me. Um, again, I run a loose ship. If, like, like Jason said, if you've got to ask questions, go ahead and please ask questions. First of all, I want to thank J Jason and the group from uh, Leadership Under Fire to ask me to speak. I honestly, uh, Pat, Pat Maloney called me and said, would you like to, to do a little talk? And I said, and honestly, I'm telling you from the truth, I don't think I'm worthy of this, but I'm here. I'm here just to share my experiences. Um, the people you're going to hear from in the next couple of days, I think, are, are top-notch. Uh, you're going to learn a lot more. Uh, they put the weakest guy first, so I, I got that feeling, but anyway, no. Um, I was a proud member of the Chicago Fire Department for 35 years, six months, 17 days, and eight hours, but who's counting? Um, and I'm going to go through some of that career, not so much my career, but the people I worked with and what happened to the people I worked with. But first, I want to start out with my family. And when I, when I walk up here and say I'm a fireman, and that's no slight to the women in this, in this group, because my first mentor was a woman, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, I'm a third-generation firefighter. I am very proud of my career, but there's one thing I'm prouder of, and that's the fourth generation, and that's my son. He's not only a good firefighter and a paramedic, but he gets it. Like every one of you sitting in this room, you wouldn't be here if you didn't. He gets it. He knows reality. He know, he's a hard worker. That's what we do in our living, in our, in our, our jobs, and he gets it. So he's, he's, he's what I live for. Um, again, there's too many people to name because I would hurt, hurt somebody's feelings, especially the ones that are still alive, but a lot of the old-timers that broke me in aren't here anymore. And they weren't talkers. They weren't the ones that threw a piece of rope on the floor. We were going to fires. They taught us at a fire. They led by example. That's how I was taught. Sometimes I got to step back because I still have that mentality in me. But again, I'll talk about that in a few minutes, is, is if you don't work with your people, whatever industry you're in, fire, police, military, if you don't work with your people and you don't get out there and train with them and you don't know their capabilities, you're not doing your job. There's always time for administrative. One blessing I have in the fire service is that I learned how to be a firefighter, and I'm still learning today. But I learned the manual part of our job. I learned the tactical part of our job. I can always learn the administrative part. If I went to a position of administration and I didn't learn the first steps, I didn't walk in my troops' shoes, then I'd have a problem. And there are people out there today that, that have that problem. Um, again, I'd, I'd like to tell you a little bit about this picture up here. This is not my slide. It's Jason's. He found it somewhere. This is a picture. Uh, the guy with the glasses on I'm standing next to is my father. Uh, this was a year before he got killed in the line of duty. Uh, they, had, they used to have all the firemen come down to Soldier's Field. You guys are familiar with Soldier Field, and have a uniform inspection. So I went down there with my mother. She bought me a nice little suit there. If you take a close look, see the pants? The shoes are shine. The pants are a little long. That's because right after this picture was taken, they fell down. My mother didn't get me a belt. So right after the picture was taken, I'm standing with my drawers around my uh, <laughs> ankles. <laughs> Typical. But uh, anyway, that, that, guy, that guy in that picture is my hero. 
Um, and, and the reason I'm not telling you this to, to, I'm trying to set the table for where I came from. What winds my watch? What makes me tick? My mother and father, who I didn't have very long in my life, make me who I, made me who I am. And why is that? Because when, when I was five, year, five years old, he was age 44, he was killed in the line of duty. Who took over the home at home? Who was my mentor? Who was my leader at age five? My mother. Strongest woman I ever met. And I've worked with some women in the fire service in the Chicago Fire Department, and I've worked with some strong women. There was no one stronger than her. Where did I learn my morals? Where did I learn everything I know about life was from that woman. She, raised, she finished raising six of us. Um, I had a brother who was, right after, uh, was five years after my dad was killed. My brother was critically wounded in Vietnam, 1967, October 31st. I'll never forget it. 5.15 in the morning, knock on the door, Western Union. Here's a telegram. Your son's been critically wounded in Vietnam. He has massive head injuries, back injuries, and leg injuries. You know how long she had that? That's all she had was for two weeks. That's how the government operated. He was in, a, in, in Walter Reed for a year and a half. I watched that woman raise us, sent us to a Catholic school. Um, there was never a bad day with her. She just kept moving forward. She adapted and overcome. You hear that statement? She lived it. She died eight years later of cancer, and I think stress killed her myself. But between that time of being five years old to, to uh, 13 years old, I learned so much about life. And I took that, what I learned, and I put it in a profession I was in. And it's all about your people. I am absent-minded, so that's why I'm using notes. Bear with me. Um, again, my brother Mike, I just want to put a shout out to the people in the military here. Freedom isn't free. I would love, my brother lived most of his life in a, in a military hospital, and I would like to take young kids and have them march through there and, and help serve the people that are in those hospitals, because they are where we are today, and that's the truth. People need to be humbled. You have to stay humbled your whole life. Reality is reality. Death is death. Um, could, I, could I have put my head in the sand and said, oh, I lost my mom, Dad, it's terrible? No, I was brought up by my mother. She said, this is life. She never remarried. She was a strong woman. She did what she had to do. That's what I learned. I learned from my brothers and sister. Move on. Get over it. It's a terrible thing to say. Do I still go to the cemetery with a six-pack and a cigar and a lawn chair? You bet I do. You bet I do. That keeps me strong. So people, if you love people, even if they die, they're still in your heart. Remember that. And why is that important to us today? Because it's all about human values. It's all about human beings. Whatever, whatever industry you're in, um, it's reality. Um, accomplishments. Your accomplishments are a product of the people that taught you your job. And don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget it. Tradition, duty, and pride, remember those things. The history of the job. When I tell you this little excerpt in my life, it's history. There's so much history out there, and I'll talk about the fire service and, and police and military, and Jason knows it too. Get out there and read that stuff, because history repeats itself. We took a trip recently to Charleston, South Carolina, and it... It's, it was unbelievable, the history in that town, the wars that were fought there uh, back to the 1700s. And I'm not, a, I'm not a big history buff, but I learned so much. One thing I learned is about politics, personalities, and egos, and I'll talk about that later. Wars are started over that stuff. Jason had a little bit of it up there. In your business, you've got to stay focused. You can't focus on personalities. It's just that's what destroys us, whether we're fire, police, or, or we're in, in the corporate world. 
I had another situation that, uh, that humbled me when I was uh, a lieutenant on squad two. Uh, I had 13 years on a job, no, I had eight years on a job, I'm sorry. Um, and I thought I knew everything, I was pretty cocky. Um, I liked being an aggressive fireman. And I had, I had a crew of five, five firefighters with me. We had an attic fire. So we were to fire down the alley, fire, fire had, had went over into a two and a half story frame, we had a fire in the attic, my tank was empty, I ditched my tank. We got a line that was charged in the alley but shut down, we got it, we got water, we're at the top of the stairs, I tell the engine officer I'm going for the windows. I go 15 feet, he loses the water. I either go to the window, 75 feet and jump, or I go back 25 feet and, and, uh, and dive down the stairs and that's what I did. I spent 21 days in a burn unit. Why am I telling you the story? Not to feel sorry for me, the first question out of my mouth to the burn doctor was, can I ever come back to work? And thankfully I did. But the most humbling thing that happened to me in that situation was in 21 days laying in a burn unit was that I didn't get any of my people hurt. None of my firefighters, because I led in. I was the first one in, and I still believe that today. If you get a situation that you're not sure about and you got a high pucker factor, and I know this isn't a tactics class, if you don't think your people should be in that situation, then don't put them there. But what's the other way that you can, you can in any, any business, police, any business we're talking about, sports, how can you know the performance of your people? By training them, right? By practicing. And, and Jason was kind of leading towards that, and we use that when we teach, is that in sports, how long and how often does a football team practice, review films, and look at plays? How long do they do it all week long? I'm guessing over 40 hours to play. What do they play? If they play one way, they play an hour on Sunday, right? That's a lot of training time. Do we train our people enough? No, we don't. That's something we still, we still have, to, we have to go through and, and, and reevaluate. Never, ever, ever forget where you came from. And again, there's, there's opportunities I know in the city. Uh, it's not often that you, you usually have to be a firefighter before you get promoted to a lieutenant or you go up through the ranks. In some smaller departments, you can be a lieutenant and end up being a deputy chief. Is it the fault of the person? No, but it's reality. You have to go back and you have to know what your troops do. You have to know what your people are about. You have to know what the individual's expectations of you are. That's communications. It's so, so, so important in any, any business. If you wanna be a leader, you have to communicate. You can't sit in your office and shut the door. Training, you have to train people. I still, to this day, I'm 62 years old, and when our companies go out and train, I'm throwing ladders with them, I'm leading out hoes with them. I want to lead by example, but what else does that tell me as a, as, a, as a chief officer? If I got an officer that's weak and not correcting his people's actions, I'll help them, I'll pull them aside and help them. If they don't get it the first time, and they don't get it the second time, two strikes are on you, the third one's on me, or two are on me and one's on you, the last one. We're gonna, we're gonna have a talk. But if you don't know your people, if you don't know their, their, their limits, their limitations, and you don't give them their expectations, then don't plan on a successful event, whatever it is. Whether it's business, police, fire, it doesn't matter. You have to engage with your people. To be an effective leader, you must be mentally and physically fit. You have to be mentally and physically fit. And what does that mean? Do I have to run 26 miles? No. I get up and I work out every morning. Why do I do that? Because I want to be at my peak performance because being physically fit makes you mentally fit. It's a fact of life. It's part of our job. 
our job in the fire service, and I know it is with police and, and, and other sports people, is, is that you, we are, in the fire service anyway, we're laborers. Years ago, 150 years ago, firefighters were laborers. What are we now? Educated laborers. There's a lot that goes into the fire service. There's a lot that goes into building construction. A lot of things are around us now. We're not just fire, we're EMS. You know, we would get up and talk about killing people at fires. We're killing people on EMS runs. Do we have to be game on when we pull out the door? Hell yeah, we do. Yes, we do. I, I think that a lot of us who've, who've seen tragedy, our comic relief is having, you know, having that clown face on at work. When it's time to train, when it's time to do our business, we're good. When the door goes up, you gotta be hardcore. You have to be hardcore. All the other stuff is out the window. There's nothing more than the care and concern for your troops. Um, men and women, it doesn't matter what gender, what, what race, it doesn't matter. You have to know them personally. Not in a big department, a department of 5,000, 4,800 where I came from, from the city. I tried to get out as much as I could as a leader. Who are the linchpins in the fire service? And again, I, I don't mean to be one-dimensional to the police, but who are the linchpins in the fire service in your day-to-day -day operations? It's not the guy up here, it's not the guy right below him, it's your battalion chief, shift commanders. They're linchpins. They have to know their people. They have to train them. They have to know their capabilities. They have to know their limitations. That's what, that's what our business is about. You cannot let off the gas. And I see it, and I see it time and time again. I got this bugle, and I'm going to start slowing down. Bullshit. Excuse my French. Every promotion you get, every uh, promotion you take in any business, police, fire, it doesn't matter. The military, it's less about you and more about your people. You got yours. You know why you got yours? Because you're supposed to take care of those people. And, and again, go back to military, police, and fire right now. We know we're not, we're not, when we pull out the door in the fire service, we're going to a bad incident, whether it's a fire, EMS, accident, doesn't matter. We may have some casualties. Let's limit them by training. In my career, my, my 36 years with Chicago, I put nine firefighters and one police officer in body bags. Is that something to be proud of? No. But what did I take back from that every time that happened? I learned something and I passed it on to the people that work with me. So hopefully it doesn't happen again. Some were human error, some weren't. Some were unforeseen. But the point of the matter is though, you have to put your foot on the gas and not let off. If you start coasting as a leader, if you start coasting as a supervisor, what are you doing for the people under you? You're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. You have to stay on it every minute of the day. And I can tell you as a chief going from Chicago, from the Chicago Fire Department, I slept in the other room. My family life sucked. I had a pager on and a fire radio on all night. You know why? Because I worried about those guys. Because I know that they're going in dangerous situations. I want to be on the street. I want to be there and make sure nothing happens. No, I'm not a cure-all. No, I don't know everything. But that's my job. That's your job as a leader. Know what your people are doing. Get down dirty and look and see what's going on. Whether you're in charge of a factory, it doesn't matter. A, a sports team, get out there and look and see what your people are doing. Correct them. What's the key to all of this about being a leader? We're not dealing with robots. We're dealing with human beings, correct? So what does that mean? We're going to make mistakes. Every one of us do. I had a situation, in, 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 and again, I can only see it through my eyes. I felt I let people down. Um, I was a director of training. I had a situation I was telling Todd Taylor this morning. Uh, I was the director of training at Chicago Fire Academy. 
I'll, I'll keep the story short because it, it entails a little bit, but I called somebody out for not standing for the national anthem. Believe it or not, that was in the year 2003. He wasn't a football player. He was a member of the Chicago Fire Department. And if I could have got broke ranks and got a hold of him, he'd have been standing on his head. But the point was, I went to someone and I said, I was in the training division, so was this guy. I said, he's gone or I'm gone. Well, you don't understand, he's got a sponsor. I said, what's a sponsor? That's clout. I said, really? I said, do you want to know what he did? Didn't stand for national anthem. Sat, he was 35 feet away from me sitting. So long story short, uh, I went up through the ranks with it, and it came back that he's staying. I said, well, I'm going. I took a double demotion down to battalion chief, but you know what? I could sleep at night. I feel I failed the people that I was in training with, but I had the morally, ethically, and every other thing that you can think of, I had to do that. You know what happened to that man two years later? He got fired for drug use. So my point is, there's times as a leader, you've got to do what's in your heart. You've got to believe, trust yourself. You've got to trust yourself first to do the right thing. Is it always the right thing to do? No, it's not always the right thing to do. But again, if you can sleep at night, you're going to, you have to adapt and overcome. You're going to survive. You are going to survive. Culture. One of the biggest things that we see in the fire service, and it may be in the, it, I don't know about the military, um, maybe in the police, maybe in, in private industry, is culture. What is the culture of your business? What do you do? Why are you there? I know when I came on the job, the men and women before me were, they didn't get paid a lot of money. They worked two jobs to support their family. That's what they did. Now our salary's a little bit better. Yeah, do we work 24 hours and we get time off? If you came on a job for that paycheck and you came on a job for time off, you are, you are of no use to us. You've got to come in because you want to be that, whatever it is, firefighter, engineer, lieutenant, captain, whatever. Do your job. We are in charge as leaders. We are in charge of whatever business we're in. We're in charge of that culture. And trust me, where, where I work right now, we have three fire stations versus 100. Do I keep my thumb on that culture? Yeah. But it starts with the mid-management. We talk to them every morning. We talk to them every morning. This is what we want done. We're not putting a hammer down, we talk. It's not, I'm ordering you, it's a talk. And guess what, it works. Because they bring that down to the company officers and the company officers bring it down to the firefighter level. What does that mean when someone comes in a brand new, we had five new people come in, and in our little department, five brand new people is tough to deal with versus 150 we used to get out of the uh, Chicago Fire Academy. Five people, never heard a peep out of them. The firefighters policed them, the company officers policed them and the battalion chiefs policed them. You know why? Because we set the table at the top. This is what we need to do. It's not hard to do, but you've got to engage. You've got to be part of your, your department. You can't sit behind a desk. I can tell you right now, and there's some gentlemen here from the departments we work with, we train, we train with six departments three days a month where we, it's an all-skate. Whether it's burns, it's special operations, whatever it is, we get together. I make it a point as a chief. Yeah, there's a pile of stuff. I'll call it stuff. It begins with an S. But it's on my desk. You know what? That stuff can wait. You know what's more important is when the door goes up and those people go out. I want to know what's going on. If I don't go out and go inside of a building and crouch down in a hallway and watch our companies go in and go to work or our companies go to work with their equipment, I don't know what to expect of them when we pull out the door to a fire. Corrective action during training. 
Because when we go out the door, we're going to an event. We're not going to a picnic. This is just, these are just some of my thoughts, and this is, this is the way I live. This is what I was taught. And again, if you haven't got it, it's hard to get it. You have got to have walked in your troop shoes. Communications in the firehouse and, and, and business. Kitchen table or a coffee table in a, in a corporate world. Talk. Get out and talk to people. See what's going on. See what makes them tick. See what's going on in their personal life. If we had guys killed in the line of duty in our job that weren't firing all, all cylinders when they went to work, you better believe it. We're human beings. We're human beings. One of the greatest impediments of leaders, personalities, egos, and politics. And I've lived all three of them. I'm not an expert in them, but I've tripped and skinned my knees on, on dealing with a lot of people. Personalities in any business that you're in. Personalities, politics, and egos. And again, if people live by the model, the higher up you go, yeah, you're in charge. People know that. It's not what's on the outside of your uniform. It's not, I don't care how many medals you got or how many stripes or how many bugles. They put a lot of bugles on a lot of knuckleheads, believe me, because I've worked for them and I've worked next to them. And nobody's saying that I ain't one either. It's not what's on your uniform, it's what's in your uniform. Be a leader. Be a leader. Talk to your people. Teach them. If you don't know something, ask somebody who knows to pass it on to them. Because we all, collectively, we might know everything, but alone we don't know everything. I don't know everything about the fire service. One of the most important things I can tell you in my career that I did in the fire service, when I was on Chicago, we were the best. New York, pff, they're big, but pff, pff, we're better than them. We were second to none. When I really started learning in the fire service is when I started working at the University of Illinois and became an instructor and started getting outside my world. Just because you wear a different patch doesn't make me better than you. I learn more from networking with guys I work with right now and teach with than I ever did when I was just thinking inside that little box in Chicago. Not a little box, a big box. But my point is reach outside. Reach outside to people that deal with the same problems. I got a buddy who's an older, older guy. Pat Maloney knows him. A few other guys know him. He was in the fire service for a short time. He's a wise man. He was a volunteer. But he's wise with life. He's very opinionated. So when I had something wrong and I was really, and I had a few things, issues I had to deal with with people, I'd call him up and I was a raven idiot on the phone. When I got done talking to him, I said, thank you. I was very calm. And he was a nut on the other end of the phone. He listened. He helped. That's what you have to do. Don't think because you're the boss. Don't think because you're in charge that you've got all the answers. That's why you communicate with other people. Get outside your network. That's why, and I guess I'm preaching to the choir because that's why you're here today, right? You're getting outside your world. You're getting out, and, and things that are taught in the, in the lies I'm telling you today might not apply to you, but if you pick up one thing and you take it home, that's important. If you take one thing home and you pass it on, You've done a good thing. How many people in here, when you go to work and, and starting out in my early career, you know, if you didn't have a run for the day and you took care of your equipment and you did a drill, you, at the end of the day, you feel accomplished. When I was a cement finisher, I did it for 25 years. At the end of the day, if we poured a driveway, we put a foundation in for a house. When you went home at the end of the day, you felt accomplished. I can tell you as a leader sometimes, there were days when I was in the city, I was battling, it wasn't fires, I was battling BS 
And at the end of the day, I was frustrated. I would stop at a firehouse or I would see the firefighters and paramedics. That would make my day. You've got to try, again, don't let off the gas. You've got to try to accomplish something every day you go to work. As a leader, as an administrative person, is that hard? You better believe it is. Have a good relationship with your troops. Um, and I know this is talked about, it's, out, it's inside the fire world, but the kitchen table. How important is a kitchen table? And I'll give you one little example that I lived through. I went to a firehouse, it was the busiest firehouse in the city. Uh, it was, I was promoted captain. I didn't put in for the spot. It was a truck company. I was waiting for a squad company to open up. I was the senior most relieving captain. So as the transporter comes out, I go, oh boy, my name's on there, I'm going to this truck company. <laughs> I wonder how that happened. Nobody put in for it, nobody wanted to go there. The captain, and this is perception, the captain that was there before me, I called him up and he was there for like six months because the spot was open. Called him up and I said, hey, how is it over there? When I got off the phone with him, if I was really stupid, I would have slipped my wrist. Oh my God, what am I going into? It was, it was, you know, it was African American, it was white, it was, it was a, a mix of everything. And I walked in the firehouse, there was no meal club, people weren't talking to each other, and I had three new guys coming in, three candidates coming out of the training academy. I rang the bell, we all went in the kitchen, and we had a nice talk. And I talked to him as a gentleman. And the one thing that the captain was there before me that was, you know, in dire straits, this is terrible, the world's falling apart. He said to me, he said, uh, he says, I got a guy that comes in at five to eight. We start at eight. All right, in busy houses, a little pride and stuff. Guys come in an hour, hour and a half early, sometimes 45 minutes early. This guy came in every day at five to eight. It was a classmate of mine I came on a job with. So I said, okay. So I pulled him aside. I said, Bernie, how, how come, uh, you know, nice to relieve your partner, get your stuff in service. He said, boss, I take my kids to school. When I'm off, I take my kids to school. I said, got it. He's the best fireman in the firehouse. Best fireman there. Scrubbed toilets, washed the rig, bedded hose, never said a word. He was a good man. That captain that was there before me didn't take the time to sit down and get to know him personally. Sad. They didn't have a meal club. They didn't eat. That's the most important thing in the fire service is that kitchen table. Because that's when you get to bust chops, eat chops, and talk to each other. That's when you get to learn about your, your, your people is when you sit and talk. How's your family? How's this? How's that? They didn't have a meal club. You gotta be kidding me. We're gonna eat. We are going to eat in this firehouse. If I gotta cook, we're eating. Big tall guy, real quiet guy says, Cap, I'll cook. He was the cook and the captain was there before me, bitched about every meal. He said, I'm done. So I gotta tell you this story. The first meal we have, it's 95 degrees. Now, we were in a project area. We were running into projects all day long. Incinerators, elevators, vacant apartment fires. We were busy. When I left there, I put 15 pounds on. We're running up and down the stairs. But anyway, he cooks the first day, the next day, the next work day, the second work day I'm there, he cooks. So at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we finally slow down to eat, and there's lunch meat out. Yeah, that's cool. Chips and lunch meat, pickles, all right. And then a the roast beef comes out of the oven and potatoes. And I look, I go, we having all this for lunch? He goes, he goes, no, that's dinner, but it's too hot to cook twice. <laughs> I ran with it, you know? I ran with it. We put the roast in tin foil and wrapped the mashed potatoes up, and that was it, you know? The guy put, because I made an effort to sit down and talk to him and treat him like men, the effort came back. And that's what, what, what leadership is about. 
in my eyes, it worked. If I'd have listened to the guy before me, I'd have had a razor out. Not good. Um, again, do you, every day, every day when you go to work, whether you're in the office or you're on shift, every day when you go to work, you've got to take corrective action. And it's by talking to people. It's not by taking and putting a hammer down. Trust me. Um, I had a couple of things here, if I can find them. Um, my advice, most importantly to everybody in here, and again, the speakers you're going to hear in the next few days are way above my skis. I'm just a fireman. That's all I am. Um, stay humble. Stay humble. Don't ever, ever, ever forget where you came from. Never. And like I said, you can put that uniform on. It's not what's on it. It's what's in it. Be a good person. Earn respect. Earn respect. It doesn't come with the bugle. It doesn't come with promotions in, in corporate America. Earn respect. And that's by treating people like people. Are you going to have challenges? I know we got rules and regulations in the fire department that I worked in before and the one I live in now. Do you know how many grievances we have with the union? None. You know why? Because I'll go call a union president or he'll call me and say, hey, we got an issue. I run stuff by him. I don't do anything in that department unless because he's a common sense and he's a smart and a good man. We don't have any grievances. We don't have a problem because we talk about it. We take care of things. I'm in charge, but so he, he's in charge of those, those men and women. He's got a right to, to ask me a question. I'm not better than him. So we get along. That's one thing. Respect each other. Have faith. Um, and I mean in the good Lord. When you put, you know, you think about any tragedies you've been to, learn from them. God put us on this earth and he can take us out. And you don't have to go to church every Sunday, but get up and treat people with respect. Treat, treat people kindly unless they ask otherwise. <laughs> um, <laughs> never forget where you came from. And, and the last thing that I'd like to get across, finally, and most importantly, always take care of your troops, wherever you're from, whatever business you're in. Take care of your people. The 1% of bad cannot take over the 95% of good or the 99% of good. Remember that. You can have one piece of poison. Don't let it take over your department. Don't let it take over your business. Anybody have any questions? Currently, we're going to be taking on eight more new guys where we're at. And I know a couple of them are coming to my ship. Uh, the guys know on my ship, I'm kind of more of the guy that loves the history, loves learning the history of the <coughs> service, history of tools, where things come from. But if you've got a new guy coming into your house, you can say, I got five minutes with this guy. What would be that five minutes rattling on with his first day on this job this guy's Besides, I know what you just said here. First thing I tell him, the very first thing I tell him, you work for the Plainfield Fire Department. The Plainfield Fire Department doesn't work for you. If you don't like it, get up. Excuse me, get out. Seriously. That, you have to have that strong of a message, but then you become a nice person. You sit down, and, and you know, I showed you this stuff because it, it, it is about me, but it's what I lived, but it's history. Take the firefighter. When we went to Dallas, I was so impressed. We went to Dallas several years ago. We went to their fire academy, and all their line of duty deaths, before the candidates had to leave the training academy, they had to know those names, and they had to know the stories behind them. If that isn't impressive, I don't know what is. And again, I'm, I, I'm sorry for the people who are not in the fire service, but 
That's our life. That's, that's, that's important. The history of our job is so important. Yes, we have new equipment. Yes, we have new techniques. But the basics of being a laborer are still there. When the door goes up, and, and, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you another thing, is if, and I live it to this day, and when I stop thinking this day, this way I'm out of the fire service. Give me one good firefighter and one good paramedic, I'll go to the wall for them. I'll go to the end of the earth for them. That's what I should do. Unless they commit a felony, I'm going to the end of the earth for them. You know why? Because they're human beings and they love their job and they do their job. If you got a knucklehead and you got to deal with them, then you got to deal with them. There's ways to work around it before you take their job. I, I just want to give you one more story if I got time. I don't know. Um, and again, this is history. Our old fire commissioner in the Chicago Fire Department, his name was Robert Quinn. Um, he was still a commissioner when I came on a job. He'd walk over. We had a raise. Myself and Charlie Hatter was a football player, big, big uh, black guy. Me and him were on a tormentors. We raised, the, we raised the, the wooden banger about 15 times for the commissioner. We were in the academy. Then we find out he couldn't see very well. So, <laughs> But anyway, he had a situation as a commissioner. He had a situation in a firehouse that was in Bridgeport where the mayor lived. And there was a gentleman there who was, had an issue with alcohol. And he had four kids at home. So what the commissioner did, he got involved because he cared about his people. He suspended, he went in the firehouse and he suspended that guy for 30 days. He took two paychecks away from him. You want to know what he did with the paychecks? Went over, when he was at the firehouse, he went over and gave them to the guy's wife. That's a leader. He punished him, but he never hurt his family. And that's important. People that live by the book will die by the book. The book is there. Set of rules is guidelines. Can you bend them and break them? Yeah, if it's not a felony or a major issue, yes. That's what we're supposed to be as leaders. Again, if you were in those positions as a young human being, never forget where you came from. Don't forget it. And I think that, I'll just give you one last thing that I fall short on is, see that stuff there? I got the attention span of a net. I should read more. That's my shortcoming. That's what I, that's what I, have, I, I deal with every day. I should read more. Because I work with a lot of people that are, a lot, I work with people that are a lot smarter than me. What I learned from them, so I don't have to read. Anyway, <laughs> has anybody got any questions? Any other questions? I know you're hungry. I know I'm boring. Anything? Uh, what's the Tell them thank you. 17 days in Katrina with uh, the brothers in Maryland, Montgomery County. Chief, I wonder if you might be able to talk a little bit about uh, leaving a company off the ranks into the county and uh, how difficult it may have been uh, at the fire Yes, um, I'll give you an example of becoming a lieutenant and still having a, you know, I, I was told by a deputy fire commissioner in Chicago Fire Department when I made lieutenant, well, he was a battalion chief then, but he was my dad's candidate. He was my dad's rookie. So there's a, my, I think my dad used to beat him up because he kicked me all over the place. But anyway, he told me, he says, if I catch you with a tool in your hand as a company officer, I'll cut your hand off. I said, well, boss, I'm a leader. I got to have a tool in my hand. You know, and nowadays company officers do carry tools because of forcible entry, forcible exit, in case you got to get out, windows, so on and so forth. But as far as being a company officer, what, what was hard, that, that first bugle is the toughest bugle you will ever get in the fire service, and it may be in police too, when you're a supervisor. 
because it's not, it's again, it's about your people. You've got to watch them. The, what I can take away from what I did, and I'll go back to my burn, when I was burned, is I didn't let my, if it, was a, if it was a situation where I started to pucker up, I went first. And I'm not bragging, I'm not, yeah, I was aggressive, but I was stupid too. But I learned. Don't let your people go into a position. Sometimes you have no choice. But you know how that, that, like where the truck breaks off or the squad breaks off and they go in teams and they're firefighters and they're not the officer? The only way you can overcome their safety is train them. Train them, train them, train them. In, in, in New York or in Chicago where we're going above fires or we're taking windows out or we're on roofs and we're not with our officers, you've got to train them. What, to, what if this happens? This happened. We had a guy fall through an air shaft. What do we do about it? Training. You've got to sit at the kitchen table and talk. And then we have, a, we have a saying on our wall at work, in our training area, it's 30% it's classroom and 70% hands-on. You know, years ago it was 100% hands-on. Now we've got to have that education about building construction and so on and so forth. EMS, you, 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 we're, dealing with, we're dealing with people with a lot of issues. You know, and, and again, not to get into the weeds, but they're closing uh, mental health care facilities. We're getting, how many runs, Louis, are we getting a day where they're psych suicides? EMS, I mean, it's over the top. When that door goes up, take the clown face off, put the helmet on, and think. There, and if you, one thing I'd like to add, there are no two runs that are, are routine. There are no two runs that are routine. They're not, not the same and don't think they are. The day you think that you're going out the door and the run is the same as the one you had before is the day someone's going to get hurt or killed. Just keep that in mind. You've got to be game on in what we do. And, and, and that's, that's what I was taught. Patrick. I'm only good for one, but go ahead. So, I'm seeing a fire first up with fire. I order everybody off the roof. And then I got a deputy fire commissioner up there putting a hole in the roof. I don't know if you know the guys, but anyways. There was nobody around. And when are you coming back to be our fire commissioner? As soon as the mayor leaves. No, I Whoa, that's on tape. And that's okay. <laughs> that's rated PG, right? I, I, I'm going to leave that one alone. Just remember, you know, and, and this, uh, one more thing that triggered something else in my brain. In the fire service, again, I'm sorry to the people who aren't in the fire service, but again, you're, you, guys are, you guys are company officers. There's a circus going on above you. And, and it's a rotating door sometimes with chiefs. People forgot where they came from. People don't think about the fire trucks you're riding on, the equipment you're using. That is the most important stuff. The administrative stuff, yeah, it's important, but that can wait. These people are the most important thing out there. That's your commodity. If they're not working on all cylinders and they don't have the proper equipment, your job's not going to get done, and someone's going to get killed or hurt. That's what you have to keep in mind. Stay focused. Always remember where you came from. Always remember where you came from, because you'll remember that little stuff. The ones that the guys or gals are fighting for. Fire stations. If you're in a good house, disregard what's going on up here. Come to work every day, smile, whistle, come to work an hour or two hours early, and have a great day. If you go to a fire, you go on, on, a, on a good event, that's a good thing. Learn something. Pass it on. Every one of you in here is here for a reason. I'm preaching to the choir. Probably boring some of you. But one thing I need you to do is take back what you learn here. If there's people that can't afford to, to go out of town to go to these events, take something back and put it on the table and pass it on. 
Because if you know it, and the two people next to you don't know it, and something comes up where they should have known it, whose fault is it? It's yours. Even the ignorant ones. And there's a lot of them out there that know everything. Sad to say. So, Anything else? They're hungry. As far as you mean, uh, in terms of what we look at as a mission, we always is the mission the explicit mission to set right property and move on, or is the mission primarily just to take care of our own interests and reduce what's close to zero? I'll give you an example. Recent fire we had, not in our town, not in our, we have, we have six towns that we drill, we train with. There's six different patches. We all come together and we train. We train every month. We do, we get, on a working fire, we get three engines, three trucks, five chiefs, three medics, and a squad. And I used to think before I was a chief, what, what, is a, what do you need five chiefs for? Because we're trained and we're plugged into positions. Interior, command, safety, plans, and writ. We're plugged in, we're on a mission, but our mission is to watch our troops. So to say, you pull up, and we don't, you know, you don't get the volume of fires like New York and Chicago do, but when you get one and you hear on the radio, you got an occupant trap on a Saturday morning at 11 o'clock in the morning, and they're not, I mean, the second floor is rocking, but they're not going, water puts fire out. They're not making an attempt to go in to find someone's loved one. There's times when we're going to take those risks. But you know what? If we're trained, we're going to do the right thing. You want to know what happened at that fire? The gentleman that was in there was in the fire room, but we gave it an effort to go in and try and find him in a back bedroom where he could have been on the floor with the door closed and could have been gurgling. Maybe we could have got him out. But the point being is, you know why there was confidence in doing what we did? Because we trained. Because we trained. So we are, and, and I got a t-shirt made from a guy we taught out in Massachusetts and I said it at an academy and he said, can I use that phrase? I said, yeah. We're, we're going to a fire, we're not going to a picnic. There's gonna be times, reality is, when we lose a life. If you don't think I would rather have my father than have a, a, a hero, you're mistakenly wrong. And there was a gentleman who was in the building. There were no radios. The building they were fighting a fire, they were losing. It was in the walls, it was a framed building. The commissioner told my father and another chief, go in and get those guys out with the lines now, because there were no portable radios. So the guy that was on the line with his firefighter was on a squad company. He was a lieutenant. He said, boss, give us five more minutes. No, we're going now. When they got to the back porch of that building, my father and the other chief were in the kitchen. The roof collapsed. Those guys lived. My father and the other chief died. 
That man was on the job 25 more years after that fire, maybe 30. On his last day, we went to a roll call, like when you go have a beer after his last day, at more, 8 o'clock in the morning. We went for, to a bar, and he took me to the end of the bar, and I knew him very well, and I worked for him. He was my boss. And he took me to the end of the bar, and he broke down in tears. He says, your father died because of my mistake. And I'm like, wow. No, he didn't. Died because he was doing his job. But that guy lived with that. And, and, and when, I, when I say that, and I should have said this before, when a firefighter, police officer, a military person dies, don't think about, I mean, you can think about the initial firefighters that were with them. Think about the families. Think about the repercussions. That's a ripple effect that will never, and again, I could, I could have, you know, with this, and, and it was due to the fact of my mother that I, I didn't. I picked up and moved on. I adapted, overcame. But we need to do that in our business. we got to minimize the risk, but the risks are always going to be there. But you got to stand tall. If you felt, and, and we, when I left the city, the, the last two firefighter line of duty deaths that were on my watch, which I got to live with, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I do know that I moved on and, and, and we tried to learn from that, and I think we did. Put red X's on buildings. We tried to keep the, you know, in a, in a building that we're, where vagrants are living, we're going to search. That's our job, but we're going to try to minimize how many people we put in there. I think we learned something from that. But it's never going to give those kids their fathers back. But we're in that business. So, thank you. The Leadership Under Fire podcast provides a platform that helps to prepare performance leaders to navigate the moral, mental, emotional, intellectual, and physical rigors in high-risk and ultra-competitive settings by developing strength of mind, body, character, and critical thought. For more on this, visit leadershipunderfire.com.